Thank you, worship team. As you turn to 1 Kings 17 this morning, we're going to continue our study we began last week on the life of Elijah. As you go there, I, I kind of want you to be aware, actually, of one important thing. Um, we're committed to prayer here at Elam. We recognize any ministry that takes place, any impact we can have, is solely because of God working in our midst. And so we want to regularly have throughout the year um, just nights of prayer where we can gather together, set aside for that purpose to pray for our communities, pray for our ministries, Awana, pray for our growth group, pray for our youth group, and just continue to pray for the direction uh, that God has for us as a church. And so on the 27th, Saturday night the 27th at 6.30, we'll have prayer here. And uh, we hope that you'll, it's the notes also in the bulletin, but um, we just hope that you'll maybe set that aside for a time of prayer as we come together. And so that's just a great opportunity. Um, also last week, um, we talked about Elijah and the context in which he stepped in and the, a little history of the kings. Uh, we have in the foyer a chart of the kings during that time and, and kind of who came before that, the King Ahab and who came after and kind of the Israel-Judah split and all the different kings. I think it would be really helpful for you to have that. You'll find them in the foyer um, to the left of our um, drawing of our facility. And uh, I think that would be helpful maybe to keep in your Bible as we go through this series. And so I kind of want you to be aware of that um, ministry resource. I want to read the first seven verses of King, 1 Kings chapter 17. And then we'll pray. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Chiriath, which is east of the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook of Chariath, which is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is living and active. That your word comes like a, a scalpel and does surgery in the hearts of man. In Holy Spirit, we would invite you in these moments together to come do surgery, to open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears, to receive what you have for us. Change us. This morning, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We talked a little bit last week about verse 1. Verse 1, in a sense, Ahab came, um, Elijah came on the scene to King Ahab, a very powerful man. We we're told he did more wicked than all the kings before him who were incredibly wicked. And not only that, he had standing, I was going to say behind him, but the reality is in front of him was Jezebel. Uh, his, his wife, who was even more wicked than Ahab, you could make the case for. Elijah comes before them and lays down a gauntlet. 
and says, I know it may seem like you're in charge and, and that your gods are in charge of, of the weather and all that, but he says, there shall be no rain. Remember, Elijah's name means Yahweh, my God. So he came as a spokesman. And he goes and tells Ahab and Jezebel that, that there's going to be no rain nor dew. And it says at the end of verse 1, except by my word. And so Elijah places himself really in danger. He certainly places himself in opposition to what the king and the queen and uh, all their gods uh, forecast and said. And what we find ourselves here as we move on to these next few verses is really a lesson in preparation. As God prepares Elijah for what he has for him. Now notice, first of all, the voice he heard. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came to him. Now, I, I, I found it interesting how verse 1 ended. He says to Ahab, by my word, and then verse 2 says, and the word of the Lord came. Make sure they match up would be a really good thing for Elijah. Make sure the words he spoke, the words of the Lord, were really Elijah's words, that they weren't his own. And so the voice he heard and the voice he needed to hear was God's. God had a word on the subject. God had a word on what was taking place in the land. Elijah was going to be the one who was going to deliver it. And the reality is, though, Elijah's in a sticky situation because of the stand he took in verse 1. I mean, his life is in danger. And there's great opposition towards him already. I'm sure he understood that Ahab and Jezebel were out to destroy any prophets of God, any, any God who stood in opposition to Baal and Ashtoreth and, and their gods and all the altars that they had built. Elijah's proclamation, as I think about it and read about it and thought what that moment must have been like, it had to have been something like, okay, let's be clear, Ahab. You might be the most powerful person in the land, but certainly your gods are no match for Yahweh. Your gods are no match for the one true God. God can lock up the rain clouds or he can open them as he chooses. It's the God I serve, I'm sure Elijah was saying. Now human logic says, okay, Elijah, you laid down the gauntlet. Time to roll up your sleeves and go throughout the land and give your prophetic utterance. Let them know the judgment of God's coming. Prepare everybody. That's human logic says. Because after all, we're, we're people who like to do, right? We, I mean, we like to get out there and get her done. But that God has a different plan here, kind of a surprising plan if we were honest with it. The father had a deep work he needed to do in the prophet, a deep work he needed to prepare Elijah for, for what was going to come, for how God was going to use him, a work that would prepare him for the ministry he had. So God immediately sent him to a place of isolation where he'd be protected from physical danger and would be prepared for the greater mission God had for him. And it made me think about the fact that there's times God calls you to a brook for extended time with him, to get alone and a sense to hide yourself in him, in your relationship with him. And there really is no safer place. I mean, the place Elijah in is the safest place he could be God's hands, and that's the safest place for you to be, right in the middle of God's will. And so God sends Elijah to a place of isolation. But how does Elijah receive that? I mean, how does Elijah receive what I'm sure to him must have been a, 
a fairly surprising directive. Well, it's very interesting, the word chariot. Now, sometimes, if you look, as we continue to look at this, verse 3, go away from here, means go hide yourself, get alone. Now, notice the direction's pretty clear. Turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook chariot. Now, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the original names of places carried really symbolic meaning. And, and this is certainly true here. Now, today, no one can name the exact location of this brook, but we do know that it derived its name from the original verb, cherath, which means to cut off or to cut down. Now, forgive me for getting a little into the word study, but it's really important here. The word is used both ways in the Old Testament. It's used in the sense of being cut off from others or cut off from the blessing of a covenant. So cut off, but there's another definition. It means cut down as if you'd like cut down a tall tree. And so this word means cut off and cut down. Now think about the context. While at Cherith, the man who had been a spokesman that had come to Aham would be cut off from all involvement and prophetic activities for a time. But he would also be cut down from self-sufficiency. Cut down from all pride. Cut down, we would say, to size. So he would be at a place where he could trust God. And he would need this big time in the days ahead. So God wanted to wean him from any self-pride and dependency, so he was cut down. And to do that, he needed to cut off from all activities involvement, and so he moved him to isolation. It's not an accident that he was led to a brook of Cherith. Very intentional as we see what God does. Now it can be a sickness sometimes in our life. It could be a myriad of different things that God just simply removes us from one place and places us in another place to reshape us, to prepare us. And I have found that time alone with God lays the foundation blocks of courage as you and I are cut down to size, weaned from pride, we learn a greater dependency upon God because it's when we are dependent upon God that courage for God comes. That's exactly what Elijah would need. And we're going to learn in our study, he needed courage, great courage, and so do we. And so as God leads Elijah away from the familiar mountains of Gilead and from the prophetic ministry in a hostile setting, God not only brings him rest, but a precious opportunity to deepen his closeness to God. And so the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here, turn yourself eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. Now I find it interesting, a couple things, as we see how God leads him in here, and I don't, maybe I'm looking into this, I don't know, we find in verse 1 that Elijah is referred to as Elijah the Tishbite. He's not even called a prophet at this point. But as we go to verse 24, we find Elijah referred to as not Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah the man of God. I wonder if that transformation of just going as a Tishbite is just a normal man, if this time by the brook didn't create a deepening in his relationship with God to the point that he was now referred to as a man of faith, a man of God. And I think there's certainly credence to say the more time we spend alone with God, 
the closer we get to God. And the closer we get to God's heart, to eventually, it's easy enough to say that that person's a man of God or a woman of God. They're close to the heart of God. They stay close to the things of God. I find that pretty interesting. Now, I also realize that in verse 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, began to think about my life and say, when's the, when's the last time I sat alone with God and I could honestly say I got up from the word or I felt, you know, God really spoke to me. When's the last time you could say that? And I fear some of you may be living off words God spoke to you 10 to 15 years ago. And you haven't heard from God since. I mean, there's not a concrete time you can say, I sat with God alone under his word and prayer, and I got up and say, I knew God said this to me. When's the last time you got up from time with God and said, I know God spoke to me? I hope, I hope it's not long. We dearly need those times. God wants to shape us and prepare us just like he did Elijah for what he has for us. Now let's look at the promise Elijah received. Verse 4. Now to the functionally minded, Elijah's prolonged stay by the brook of chariot looks like a complete waste of a promising life. I mean, if you're one of those persons that has that get up in the morning and you got your to-do list, you're going to look at Elijah and like, man, he didn't get much accomplished there for quite a while. I mean, his his to-do list is really growing. And so I know this is a challenge, but with God's command, there comes a promise. And the first thing God tells him is where to go, but he doesn't tell him how he's going to survive specifically, but he does tell him, here's where I want you to go. And the promise was certain, verse 4, and it shall be, not might be or maybe, maybe something will come along. No, it shall be this way. It's a certain promise that Elijah received. It was a sufficient promise. God's supply always is. Now notice he tells them, Elijah, I want you to go here, and I've got a divine catering service. It's called a raven catering service, and they'll be bringing you food. So don't worry about it. You don't need to prepare anything. Just go where I tell you to go, and, and, you, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you, and, and all the food will be prepared for you. And, it, and so God says, my promise is sufficient. I wish I could have seen Elijah's face when God explained that to him. Okay, go away, and, and there's, these ravens are going to come and deliver food to you. Uh, how would you feel? Like, hey, I want you to go down to some lake. There's enough lakes around here. And go to a lake, and, and I'm going to just have some birds kind of fly in, and they're going to give you sub sandwiches, bread and meat, right? W- wouldn't you be like, really? <laughs> you sure? Maybe wrestle with that one a little bit. I also find it interesting is I thought about them like ravens. I'm like, isn't that like an unclean bird? And you go back to Leviticus 11, 13, and 15. Sure enough, God instructs his people, hey, back off the ravens, they're unclean. And isn't just like God to use an unclean bird to accomplish his purposes. In other words, God's not restricted to what we deem is a usable vessel. God says, I got my own agenda, and right now I want you to go to a brook, and don't worry, I'll take care of feeding you because my promise is sufficient for you. And the lesson continues, we're going to look at it next week, is when God dries up the land, he uses another unlikely instrument to provide food. God's like that. He uses whomever and whatever he chooses. Now notice, in a sense, the promise he received was conditional. God says, if you will. 
And I like there's a word in verse 4. It's pretty easy to fly by. It's the last verb or last word there. Where's there? At the brook. In other words, if you go to the brook, Elijah, you'll find provision. But the provision's at the brook. Don't go to some other mountain. Don't go out. The provision is there at the brook. If you want the provision, there needs to be obedience. And that is still true. I mean, we need to be in the place God has for us, and that place is called obedience. Don't look for God to provide if you're going to do your own thing. If you're like, I'm not sure, God, really what you care. I'm going to go live what I want. I'm going to go live it up, and, and, and I'll just trust your grace to provide, but I'm going to do what I want. God, God doesn't play that game. God wants you and I to obey him, and he blesses obedience. And so he tells Elijah, the provision, it's there. It's at the brook. Go there if you want the provision. Now, it's not just a quick vacation, verse 5. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, go for a nice weekend over by the brook and ravens will take care of you. We're told in verse 5, he went, did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook. Interesting. We don't know how long. Probably months, could have been upward a year. We're not entirely sure, but he didn't just go visit for a short time. He lived by the brook. And why did he go live by the brook? Because God told him to. And he went there. And it showed us the obedience of Elijah. He obeyed. And this is not as simple as we read it. Look at the command and, and the God's promise. Now, the thing about Elijah's obedience, there's some things that strike me. One is it's active. He went. He didn't debate God. You've, you, we've probably all done that. We feel God's leading. We're like, oh, come on. I can't because of this, this, and that. And it's like we, for some reason, get in a debate with God as if we're going to win that one. But he did it. He's, his obedience is active. He went. He obeyed. It was instant. Where the Lord came to him, go, he went. And how do you do? When God instructs you, do you go? Do you go instantly? It was complete. He went according to the word of the Lord. He did what God wanted him to. God said, go, he went. Verse 5, so he went and did, how? According to the word of the Lord. He obeyed him. He obeyed him completely. And he obeyed him unquestioning. There's reasons to question here. Ravens, really, really. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. That's an awkward provision right there. But he does it unquestionably. He obeys fully. God instructed him, and he went. Uh, years ago, before our children came along, Cindy and I had a Siberian husky. We, we got this husky from like a rescue place, and you could tell uh, uh, Bailey was abused, and, and um, but... He got calmed down and everything. And, and, but one day we went in our backyard and, and we had it fenced in so Bailey could run around and everything. And so I went in the backyard and there's Bailey enjoying a really nice meal of like two to three pigeons. I'm like, what on earth? Where'd you get those pigeons? Oh, you're a good dog, but I'm not quite sure how high you can jump. Pigeons. And he's just loving it. And he's enjoying his pigeons. And, and I'm thinking, okay, how did they get there? And I remember my neighbor, we had a really fun neighbors, and they had built this huge, I call it the Taj Mahal, a, a man garage for sure, and it had a huge upper, and they began 
to raise pigeons. And they'd send them like to, like, you know, you go someplace and you release the pigeons, they find their way to you, which that was their hobby. But somehow, three pigeons wound up in our yard in Bailey's mouth. And I thought, if a dog could speak, Bailey probably would have went, thank you. How did these pigeons get provided out of the sky for him? I still don't know how they got there, but I know Bailey was loving it. And Elijah had, in a sense, that type of provision from the sky. Birds came and fed him. They fed him at the brook. And Elijah went there and enjoyed that provision. But a few notes about this supply that he enjoyed. The source was clearly God himself. Elijah was not the source. God was. Elijah was not a self-made man. He went, God was the source, and he's the source of all you have too, by the way. He can cut it off whenever he wants. He can amp it up whenever he wants. But make no mistake, he's your source. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're the guy. You're the one who's provided all you have. God has, and I hope you thank him for that. He's sovereign. He can control nature, and he certainly controlled the birds. He was Elijah's source. The method's miraculous. You see, we're told the brook just kept running. It just kept going. And we're told that in evening, morning, he would drink from the brook. And it never dried up at first. There's going to come a point, but that's next week. It's a miraculous provision God gives with the ravens in the brook. And the regularity was consistent. Morning and evening. It reminded me of prayer. I talked at the Cocado Manor about um, the Lord's Prayer. Um, Give us this day our daily bread. That's how we're taught to pray. And God does that right here for Elijah, morning and evening. He had, he had dinner. Bread and meat. Pretty good. The only thing missing is mashed potatoes in my book, but let's not get fussy. So he's being fed. And it was regularly. Regularly, God was consistent in that. And the variety, bread and meat, I thought, okay, that's kind of nice to have both. And the supply that Elijah enjoyed also was the sufficiency of it. You see, there was enough until God's purposes there were fulfilled. In other words, as long as we're in God's place, like Elijah was, the provision was sufficient. Now, there's going to come a place where God leads him elsewhere, and that's coming. But while he was at God's place, the brook of Cherith, the provision was sufficient. Now, verse 7 says, after a while, in other words, sometime later, it means literally at the end of the days, or the end of God's purposes in that time had been fulfilled in this occasion, the brook dried up. I thought a lot about that for a moment because I, I'm kind of the, I'm an application guy. I mean, it's just the way I'm wired. I, I okay, what, is, what can I do with this? And whether it's the Bible first and foremost, but other situations that happen in my life, how can I make lemon out of, you know, lemonade out of lemons, those type, I'm, a, I'm that kind of guy. So I thought about this encounter and I thought, what application is there for me? As I read that, and then after a while, the brook dried up because there's no rain in the land. I'm, what does that look like in my life? I mean, what does it look like when God sends me somewhere or tells me to do something, 
and I experience his provision in that place, what does that mean when that provision dries up for me? What does that look like? Now, if you're a guy who's an, an active guy, and some of you know me well enough to know that, that, that I'm just going to run, I'm going. Man, I'm a, I'm a goer. And uh, this is a challenge for me. Because that would tell me there's places in my life that, A, I, I don't know what's going to happen, and there's times in my life God's going to slow me down and not let me know what's going to come on, and I'm going to have to do the one thing that's so hard for me, maybe not for you, wait. I'm going to have to wait. I hate waiting. Anybody else here, or is it just me? Okay, good. Nancy and I, that's it, okay? But uh, no, it's hard to wait. We, we, we want to go. And as I read this account, not only does the whole time at the brook mean Elijah's got to wait, but he's got to wait not knowing what's going to happen. He's got to wait not knowing how long he's got to wait. I mean, everything about this challenges me to no end. And maybe I'm not alone. It tells me that I'm not only not in control of my life, I can't even have the strength to do what I want, what I need to do, much less know the direction of it. And so I need to wait till the brook dries up or until God leads me else place, other places or leads me in other decisions or whatever it would be in your life, even the seemingly small things, we need to wait until God leads us. Maybe there's a purchase you're thinking about making, maybe it's just a career decision, Maybe it's a, a decision to move to a different location, different house, all those different things, and there's a party that just wants to go. Pull back and wait. Wait as long as it takes, and you might not know what that is, and seek God. And I promise he'll direct you, but I can't promise you might not have to wait before he does it. How do we respond to this? Well, we know Elijah entered Chariot, an energetic spokesman for God. We know he emerged, as we're about to read from Chariot, deeper man of God. God had a purpose in that time. But I want to know what this tells us and how we respond. I thought uh, out of high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, there was a college um, that must have been hard up and recruited me to play football. They said, come play free safety for us. I had no idea what else I want to do, so I'll go play football. But, you know, I learned quickly, I just, not, I just wasn't very good. And uh, the college baseball coach said, hey, I noticed you pitched in high school. I want you to try out. So I tried out, made the team, but I learned pretty quickly that I hung my curveball, and not good things happen when you hang your curveball. And um, Dwayne, who umps baseball, knows you don't hang your curveball too many times and, and effective. I just, the fact is I really wasn't that good of a baseball player either. Wasn't good at football, wasn't good at baseball. And, um, and I don't want to insult you, but uh, you're not that good either. None of us are that good. None of us are good enough to carry out what God has for us. It's, it's too big for you. It's too big for me. To handle what comes our way, we need to understand and really believe our strength is inadequate, as is our understanding. Elijah had to go, and he experienced God's provision because he needed it. There was no other way he was going to pull it off. Elijah didn't understand, A, not only didn't understand what he needed, he didn't understand what was going to happen. His strength was inadequate, his understanding was inadequate, and so was ours. 
And this text calls you and I to respond how, what it looks like to be used of God. There's some things from Elijah's life, some lessons we learn. One is you and I need to admit we can't carry out what we're called to on our own. It's called humility. You and I need God's power. We need God's wisdom every single day. And I can speak from experience, maybe you too. When I got so far ahead of God and I got to a point, I went, why didn't I listen? I thought I was wiser than God because I didn't wait, whatever the situation. Understand, and we need to admit, you and I can't carry out what we're called to. We also need to go. We need to go to the brook, i.e., a place where you can get alone with God, a place that you can listen to him. Someone can't go to the brook for you. Mom and dad can't go for you. Your friends can't go for you. you got to go. You need to hear from God. And so go to the brook. Three, lean on him and trust him. He provides and he leads. He might only reveal your next step, but lean on him, lean into him, and trust him. And I know that's not easy. Every Most high school graduates maybe hear from Pastors or people, and they'll probably get cards that say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own, your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. And we're like, yeah, kid, learn that. <laughs> it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to trust the Lord with all your heart. But learn from Elijah and lean on him and into him and trust him. And this one is it's really a cool one for everyone because it, it, these all apply to everyone, but no matter how old you are, there's a reality that you and I need to be alert for a new season of ministry. And, and I'm not going to pick on Carrie, but Carrie Linder right now could tell you how God has led him into a new season of ministry. Don't think Carrie had this one on her radar not too long ago. But be alert and receptive to new seasons of ministry. In other words, is something in your life drying up? Maybe your home is now empty. Children are at college. You have an empty nest. Could it be there's a new season of ministry for you? God might be opening a door. It might be coming a unique way. You might get a pink slip, and it might seem really horrible. But what if it meant a new season of ministry? I mean, you're a college student, and maybe the money's disappearing at a pretty rapid rate or the loans are getting way too high, could it be God has a new season of ministry for you? Think and evaluate. Go to the brook. Ask God, are you calling me to something else? But be alert to and receptive to a new season of ministry. So admit you can't carry out what you're called to. Go to the brook. Get along with God. Listen to him. And lean on him and into him, trust him, and be alert to and receptive to a new season of ministry. Oh, these are good lessons from Elijah. These are good. We need them. And so let's position ourselves to where God can prepare us for what he has for us. Let's pray. Lord, I love your word. It, it is so rich. It's so good.
It is our food. It is our sustenance. It is our nourishment. And I don't know about anyone else, but I want to thank you for nourishing me this week. Even these moments as I hear your word, I, I'm so, so grateful, God. Thank you for speaking into our life. And I don't know where my brothers and sisters are at here, God. I'm grateful you do. And I trust wholeheartedly that what we've needed to hear individually, we have. And Lord, I pray that each of us would take home what you've told us so that in a very real sense this morning could have been time at the brook where we heard from you. Help us to trust what we've heard. Help us to lean into you. Lord, help us to be alert for things you might be doing in our life and preparing us for. Because, Lord, ultimately our desire as your people is to live for the praise of your name. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray.